Christian song. I want to live for Jesus. How about you? Amen. Let's see if we can get this thing dialed up where it needs to be. If you would, help me with that, men. Take your Bibles and turn to Joshua chapter number 24. Joshua chapter number 24 uh, tonight. And to some familiar verses that I believe uh, you will uh, remember as you read them and as you hear them. Some of you have memorized Joshua 24 and uh, verse number uh, 15 in particular. Great verse to uh, put on the list of those that need to be committed that need to be committed to memory, and uh, I want to speak to you tonight uh, about uh, about decisions. I want to speak to you about decisions tonight. It has been decision making time uh, around here in the last few weeks, and oh how we have seen the Lord impress hearts, and I'm so thankful for it. And these are things we ought not take for granted, church family. Amen. See if we can get get me where I need to be, fellas, if you can, and. Uh, and uh, we ought not take these things for granted, but uh, thank God for His work among us. Amen. Jo- uh, Joshua chapter 24, and stand with me please for the reading of the Word of God. And Joshua and chapter number 24. And I want you to look with me, if you would, at verses 14 through 16. Verses 14 through verses 16. And let's read these uh, aloud in unison together. Ready? Now therefore, fear the Lord... And serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt. And serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood. Or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Joshua's decision is recorded here in verse number uh, 15. Uh, He says, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, if there's something wrong with that in your mind and heart, then make your decision. Choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which were on the other side of the flood, uh, 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 or the gods of the Amorites. Uh, in other words, the gods uh, of Egypt, the gods over there on the other side of the Jordan, on the other side of the Red Sea, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. And I like the way he said this. But as for me, as for me, it's like he's saying, I don't know what you're going to do, but I know what I'm going to do. As for me, by the way, he said, and my house. Now, not every man could say that. Because uh, his family looked at him and say, <laughs> But he said, as for me and my house. His family was on board. Amen. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm going to speak to you this, on this subject tonight. And uh, uh, on this subject, so you made a decision. So you made a decision. I just want to encourage you tonight. I have a short message. I have, I've taken no offense, Miss Deborah, just so you know. Uh, but uh, I'm so, I'm so uh, this has nothing to do with the message, but I am so humbled and grateful for the incredible amount of work that's gone into the ministries the last two weeks. And I know not, not everybody can involve, be involved in every ministry, but just uh, I, the, the, the Vacation Bible School and four and five hundred here each night 
um, uh, that's a lot of kids. <laughs> that's a lot of kids. Uh, but you don't get that unless you, uh, without a lot of work, without a lot of work. And uh, back, in the, uh, uh, back in the old auditorium, one time Dr. Lee Robertson came to preach for us, and, and uh, he, um, we got done preaching, we were fellowshipping, and we got little short benches over there instead of these chairs. And he sat down on one of those benches, and he put his arm on the back of it, and he, and he watched, and I, and I was fellowshipping and talking to people, and then I turned and looked at him, and he caught my eye, and he said, he patted the seat, like, come here, young man, sit down, I want to talk to you. Well, when an 80, almost 90-year-old man says, come here, young man, sit down, I want to talk to you, then you go sit down, amen. Brian Simmons snapped a picture of that, and it hangs in my office. I'm sitting there, and there's uh, Dr. Lee Robertson, one of the great, great patriarchs of uh, independent fundamentalism. And he said, to, here's what he said to me. He said, let me tell you something. He said, if you were pastoring this church 50 years ago, he said, you'd have close to 1,000 people. I said, really? That's what he said. That's what the man, he built the largest Sunday school in the, in the nation, 10,000 a Sunday, back in the day before super church was ever a thing. And it was an old-fashioned, independent, fundamental soul, just like this church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And um, I raised up Tennessee Temple University. My college president was trained by Dr. Robertson. The pastor I got saved never was trained by Dr. Robertson. Anyway, but that's what he said. He said, this, he said it takes more work today to build a church than it did 50 years ago. He said, I know what I'm talking about. He said, there are more distractions today than ever before. I've thought about that many, many times over the last... That that was 20 years ago. And I thought about that last week at the Vacation Bible School. I pull up at 10 o'clock at night. I don't know what... Some of y'all got in after bus number... What were we on? Bus number two? Bus, Bus two. Uh, they said it's the best bus. That's what they told me while I was there. I don't know if that's true or not. But anyway, uh, but anyway, we, but, but, I mean, so we had vacate 630, 830 vacation Bible school, and then we get the kids loaded up and take them home, run them home. And uh, kudos to those drivers. Kudos to those drivers. Wow. Turn me up just a little bit, Brother Jerry. I, can't, I don't know if I got wax on my ears tonight or what. I, I'm, I might be loud to you all, but I can't hear myself, and I love to hear myself. Um, but anyway... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to ignore that. Uh, but, um, boy, I lost my train of thought. No, no but uh, anyway, you drivers in the dark, it's just, it's just remarkable to me. And um, But pull up at 10 o'clock and there's 30 cars in the parking lot. 10 o'clock at night. And I thought, that's a lot of work going on. A lot of people giving of their time. And those 90-some souls that were saved the week of Vacation Bible School, I want to say to you, dear workers and folks that came and helped register, uh, I believe you have part of that reward in heaven. Amen? I believe that with all my heart. And then last week, the, the early, early mornings and the late, late nights, and, and I promise you there's some sleep-deprived people in this room. In fact, I'm going to preach this whole sermon while you stand up so you don't fall asleep tonight. But anyway, I'm just... I'm humbled and I'm grateful. Thank you for your work. Thank you for your labors of love. And uh, what we've seen God's hand do, you had a part in. I want to say thank you. And for those of you who get, some of you just give. I said, Preacher, my life is such I couldn't. Hey, you give and you support the work of this ministry. 
you have a part in that as well. Father, bless now as we think about this matter of decisions tonight. May your power rest with us in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. I hold in my hand a Bible that I stole from my dad when I was a teenager. It was given to him. Uh, he conducted a wedding ceremony, and uh, it's, uh, there's a note in here uh, in, the, in the front of the Bible from uh, uh, Dwayne Burks and Charlotte Bridges. My dad did the wedding for them in uh, 1984, and I was uh, 14 years old, and I, I, uh, I wore my Bible out. I read it to, from cover to cover once a week for an entire year, and it just fell apart, and I had to get a new... Uh, I think that's what happened. Maybe I lost it. I can't remember which one... That was supposed to be funny. Anyway, so, but for whatever reason, I, I stole, uh, my dad had stacks and stacks of Bible, and I stole the Bible and uh, with his permission and uh, began to use the Bible. And um, th- this is the Bible that has a teenager. And this is a brand new cover uh, that I had put on it. Uh, I had it rebound some years ago, uh, a couple years ago. But I, I wanted to keep it in. And one reason is because in the back of this Bible as a teenager, I have several notes that I took uh, 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 Here's, here's one of them. Satan's plan is never for us to plunge into sin, but to drift slowly but surely away from God so that we don't realize what is happening. I wrote that down as a, as a teenager. And um, I, here's an outline on uh, conquering sin's champion. Uh, allow yourself to become angry at your sin. Never give up. Number two, don't allow yourself to surrender to sin's champions. I won't read it all. But uh, anyway, pages of notes that I took as a young person and and I always encourage to see you young men and young ladies writing things down and things that you want to commit to memory. But here's one of the things that's in this Bible. On June 15, I surrender my life to Jesus. On June 15, I surrender my life to Jesus. That's a decision that I made as a, as a teenage lad. And by the grace of God, that decision altered the course of my life. Amen. I want to tell you something. The decisions that you've made, young people... In the last, uh, 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 this last week and those made the week before, those by God's grace can and will be life-altering decisions. Amen? And I want to talk to you on the subject tonight, so you made a decision. Pick that if you don't mind, please. And uh, in Judges chapter 11 and verse 35, you don't have to turn to these uh, uh, because I want to just hit some highlights. Judges eleven thirty-five, like Joshua of old who said, I, I don't know what you're all going to do, but as for me... In my house, we will serve the Lord. In Judges chapter number 11, a man named Jephthah made a commitment to the Lord. He made a vow to the Lord, and, and uh, arguably he made a, a, a rash vow. I think perhaps uh, I'm persuaded that, it, that he made a rash vow. He didn't think about the potential implications of his vow. But none, nonetheless, he made that vow, and, and he kept that vow. And I believe I know how he kept that vow. Sometime I'll teach that perhaps. But anyway, I believe he honored his vow. And uh, when it came difficult to, became difficult for him to keep that vow, some, some challenge to his vow came forward that he never imagined. And this is what he said, I've opened my mouth to the Lord and I cannot go back. When you graduated from high school, I took that verse as my text. I've opened my mouth to the Lord and I cannot Go back. 
Daniel chapter 1 and verse number 8, a, a teenage lad taken from his home into, into, uh, 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 into bondage, into, uh, uh, into a foreign country and made to serve a, a, a heathen king. They changed his name. And they said, this is what you're going to eat and this is what you're going to drink. And Daniel uh, said, no, I serve Jehovah God. And the Bible said in Daniel 1, 8, that he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat nor the wine which he drank. Let me tell you something. You know what we need? We need another generation of young people that say, I don't care what the rest of the world does. I don't put that stuff to my lips. I don't put that stuff to my lips. Young people, listen. Don't ever taste it for the first time. Don't ever touch it for the first time. You be a Daniel when it comes to these matters and say, by God's grace, I'll not take that which is used in the, in the party life of this old world, in their idolatrous ways, and put that in my body and put that to my lips. And Daniel, as a young man, said, I purpose in my heart. And he kept that decision by God's grace. In Daniel chapter 3, a couple chapters later, his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are, are uh, recorded as making a decision that they would not bow to a false idol. And, and, and this idol was raised up and the music was played and everyone in the kingdom was expected to bow before this great idol. And if they did not bow, they'd be thrown into, they'd be burned alive, thrown into a, fire, a fiery furnace. Those three young men who also had been consecrated as Daniel was consecrated and exalted and blessed because their lives were unique and they stood out. They were separated young men and God's hand was upon their life and they were noticed and thus they were promoted in leadership. And by the way, let me say, young people, if you have a good testimony and you live a Christian life, you too will be noticed. You too will be promoted uh, in, 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 uh, in, your, in your jobs, in uh, secular jobs, if you will. And that's a wonderful thing and that's a commendation and that's fine. Enjoy that to whatever degree. You can, you can enjoy that and it doesn't take you away from your calling. Help yourself. But the moment... The moment that a financial opportunity challenges your decision you made for Jesus Christ, then you shut that decision down and you say, I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. Those three Hebrew young men uh, uh, got got hauled in front of the king because they wouldn't bow. And the king liked these young men. He, he admired these young men, appreciated these young men. He said, maybe you guys didn't understand me. He said, uh, now listen, I, I, we, we, we made this decree now. And the music's going to play again here in a little while. And everybody's expected to bow. Now you understand, you're no exception. Now what are you going to do? And those young men looked at the king who held their lives in his hands, so to speak, humanly speaking. And they said, we are not careful to answer the in this matter. We don't have to think about what we're going to do. Young people, listen to me. Don't you bring up in doubt one day what you settled in faith. The decisions that you made. When someone challenges you, say, I don't have to think about that. I already know what I'm going to do. I already know what I'm not going to do. They said, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. They said, uh, if it be so, if you throw us in there, in that fiery furnace, if it be so, our God is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace and He will deliver us. Verse 18, but if not, <laughs> that was a statement of faith. Our God is, gonna, is able to deliver us and he will deliver us. But if he doesn't, if he doesn't, but if not, verse 18, be it known unto thee, O king, we will not bow down to your idols. We will not worship your gods. And if it means a fire and furnace, so be it. And they did get thrown in the furnace. And guess what? God was in there with them. Amen. And Christ himself came and walked among that fire furnace with them. And they came out. Didn't even smell like smoke when they came out. They were men of decision. You made a decision. Some of these decisions this week were for salvation. Amen. 
Some of you got born again. Amen. Some of you got it nailed down. You got assured of your salvation. Doubts have plagued your mind and plagued your heart. And let me say this. It's a wonderful thing to me. The Holy Spirit is very patient. And He's very persistent. Amen. And when He pokes and pokes and pokes and works and works and works, sometimes it's the fear of man. We push the Holy Spirit away. But thank God for those who are saved or those who got assurance of your salvation this week. Hallelujah for those decisions. Amen. Some made the decision, decision to be baptized. Now, let me say the most important decision of your life you can make is to trust Christ alone to save you. You are not saved by good works. You're not saved by church attendance. You're not saved by being a Baptist. You're not saved by being a Pentecostal. You're not saved by being a Mormon. You're not saved by being a Catholic. You're not saved by being anything. You're saved by the good grace of God. Jesus' blood washes away from sin, and you put your trust in Christ and Christ alone, and He saves you. Amen? The next thing you ought to do is make that public and follow the Lord in believers' baptism. Baptism in the Bible. By the way, the word baptizo, the Greek word baptizo, it means to immerse. Amen? Uh, Paul wrote about baptism and he said, uh, it's like unto a man that was, uh, uh, died and was buried and rose uh, up again. Baptism, the baptismal waters, picture the death, uh, here he is, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? It's a picture of Christ and it shows how we, when we are saved, our old life is buried and we walk again in a new life. We rise again in a new life. That's why baptism ought to be by immersion. Jesus went down into the water. The Bible said when John the Baptist baptized, He went down into the water and came up out of the water. Amen. He went down into the river and he came up out of the river. Amen. Amen. If it's a picture of of, of death, burial, and resurrection, you you don't bear your loved ones by leaning them up against a tree and put a little dust on their head. Put them in a white robe and put some dust on their head. No. You put them in the ground. Say amen. It's biblical. You say, why why do you make an issue of that? Because the Bible makes an issue of it. That's why. It's biblical. Many of you made that decision to follow the Lord in believers' baptism. By the way, if you've been saved by God's grace and have never been scripturally baptized, you're living in disobedience. Thank you. One, I got one amen from Platform. Let's try it again. If you've been saved by the grace of God and have not been biblically baptized since, you are living in disobedience. Yes, because that's the next step of obedience that God's uh, force. It's for believers. Many came tonight and uh, came this week and said, I'm giving up the wrong kind of music. I'm giving up their own kind of music. And I don't know of anything, any decision that you can make that will better affect your spirit and your attitude than doing just that. If you're struggling with your attitude, I can promise you, you're struggling with their own kind of music. Many came this week to surrender their life to the Lord. Surrendering, I'm, I'm surrendering my life to the Lord. My, my life doesn't belong to me. It belongs to Him. I'm surrendering my life to Him. Some came, and this is a, a derivative of the very first message that Brother Gray preached to our young people on Monday night at camp. I want to love my master more than my freedom. What a message he preached. Oh, and it's talking about a Hebrew who was enslaved for six years, somehow became much like an indentured servant idea. Somebody became indebted and they lost their freedom for a brief period of time to repay their debt. And uh, and for six years, then on the seventh year, they were set free. Uh, they, they, you could not, uh, uh, a person could not be uh, uh, enslaved any longer than that. 
uh, no matter uh, what they owed. And so, uh, uh, so anyway, on the seventh year, they could go free. But the story is that here's a man that became enslaved, and, and while he was enslaved to his master, he, 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 got a, he found a wife there. His master provided a wife, and they had children, and, and his, all of his needs were met. And, and it came time for him on that seventh year to go free. He said, I, don't want to, I want to stay here, man. My master's been good to me. Amen. I'm not being forced to say, I want to serve him. Amen. And many of you said, I've, I want to love my master more than my freedom. This was such an important decision. I want to give my parents veto power over whom I will date and marry. Give my parents veto power over whom I will date and marry. Boy, if this doesn't cut across, if this isn't the antithesis of the world's philosophy of throw off the shackles of leadership and do your own thing and question authority, but here are some young people who have enough sense to know that God gave wisdom to their leaders and that they would not marry without mom and dad's blessing and that mom and dad say, okay, not that mom and dad, I, I'm not saying mom and dad ought to choose who you're married. That's not, that's not the decision that was made. But mom and dad ought to carry veto power. You say, well, mom and dad think that's the right guy for me. Well, you pray for mama then. If you believe it's the right one and God show you that, then ask God to show it to mama. Amen, pastor. Keep myself pure until marriage. Keep myself pure until marriage. Many made that decision. Oh, Few, fewer decisions, very few decisions you could make any more important than that, young people. Uh, uh, decisions were made to manage my friends. I wish I could describe this message to you. I, 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 I couldn't do it. But the, the man of God taught our children in such a wonderful way about the place of friendship and how close you ought to be to some folks. And so we're kind to everyone. We're a friend to many people. That doesn't mean we ought to be uh, uh, close friends with everyone or best friends with everyone. Such a powerful, powerful decision. Many of you made friendship decisions. Someone uh, uh, made a decision or several stopped making excuses. Others said, I'm going to Wednesday night. Oh my, how many said, I want to face my cup. I want to uh, uh, accept my cup and help others do the same. Some surrendered to be a missionary. Some said, by God's grace, I'll, I'll be, I want to be a better soul winner. Some said, I choose to be a Christian. Amen? I choose to be a Christian. Some said, I, God's touched my heart. I'm, I want to build better character in my life. Another said it this way, I want to stand up to my friends. Another said it this way, be an example to others. One said it this way, I want to keep God alive in my life. One said it this way, let go of bitterness and the burdens in my life. Some said it this way, I'm surrendering my life to full-time Christian service. And yet another, I want to get more involved in church. It's 20 decisions in total that I read just there. And numbers of those decisions, many young people made those decisions, translating into probably a 100 or more decisions altogether. Here's the first thing I want to say. You made a decision, number one, record it. Record it. Write it down. Uh, write it down. Write it down. Write your decision down. Uh, record it. And, 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 and make it make it a public decision. Make it a public decision. I found out something about the power of a public testimony about, uh, about uh, 
good night, uh, almost 10 years ago now, when the Lord moved in, in, in our church in a wonderful way. And over a period of about five weeks, we heard testimony after testimony and public decision after public decision. Uh, some got so uncomfortable, they left the church. That was a very small number of people. I watched some people uh, uh, that uh, I, I'm thinking about, and you won't know what I'm talking about, but I'm thinking about a person in the early part of that revival. By the way, we didn't plan a five-week meeting. We had a four-day four meeting, and God turned it into a five-week meeting. And we came to church every night except Friday night for five weeks. And, uh, and, but I remember in one of those early services and watching from the pulpit. And yes, I can see, if you can see me, I can see you. I can see you misbehaving, some of you right now. And, uh, Mr. Cook, I'm sorry, I embarrassed you like that. But anyway, but, uh, but anyway, but I could see talking back and forth and realizing and someone encouraging someone else, let's go, let's go to the altar, let's go to the altar. And I saw the resistance. And then I also saw once that resistance was built up, I watched that person leave the church over the next five weeks. The power of a public profession, the power of a public testimony. I began to learn how incredibly important it is. And I remember Bisleries telling the story down in Haiti. He's a, 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 he was born in Haiti and uh, our missionary there now. And, and, uh, and uh, uh, has, uh, started churches throughout Haiti. Is a ministry now in the Dominican Republic to Haitians and also uh, uh, Dominicans. And, and he talked about how the great oppression that is uh, in Haiti and the, just the, the, the uh, <clears throat> demonic presence in that nation. If you look at an aerial map, go on Google Earth or something, and de, uh, the Dominican Republic and Haiti share the same uh, 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 land or island, if you will. And you can see, just looking, you can just look at here. here this side is green and this side is barren. The Haitians made a pact with the devil. Voodoo would be their, if you will, um, you might call it national religion. They made a pact with the devil. And the devastation of that nation, spiritually, economically, in every way. Satan is no friend to his followers. And he said, uh, we would win people to Jesus Christ and we'd go to baptize them. And he said, we would literally, we would face actual demonic uh, resistance in trying to baptize someone. He said, we'd have to have two full-grown men it would take to get one little 110-pound woman under the water to get her baptized. She wanted to be baptized. She was willing to be baptized. She went down the river, got in the water, but we could physically, we couldn't get under. He said, now, we, we don't know anything about that. And I thought about myself, why in the world, why would the devil fight so hard to keep such a thing from happening. I'm going to tell you why. Because there is power in someone standing up and saying, I've decided to follow Jesus. And someone else says, you know, I need to do the same thing. I need to follow Jesus. Someone says, I've been bitter. We saw it Thursday night. I've been bitter and I've been angry. And, 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 and my, I got hurt. And, and I don't want to live this way anymore. And another said, I know the same thing in my life. I've been hurt. I don't want to live that way. Oh, listen to me. Uh, uh, record that decision. Mark it down. Don't forget it, my friend. Oh, how important it is. In 1 Samuel 7, verses 12 through 14, uh, the very spot, the very spot where twice Israel had been defeated by the Philistines. Samuel cried out to God and led the people, and they, the same, by the way, the same spot where the Ark of the Covenant had previously been captured when Eli was the high priest. And now then Samuel is leading God's people and they defeat uh, the arch enemies of the nation of Israel, the Philistines. And the Bible tells us over there in First Samuel chapter number 17, the Bible says that he, uh, 
that Samuel made a uh, uh, recorded that decision. And uh, and and then in verse number twelve, verse number twelve, uh, he. Uh, uh, he, uh, I'm sorry, I'm in Second Samuel. Perhaps let me let me get over there. I got so many references here, and uh, he uh, he put it down. I, it's in the Bible somewhere. I don't know where it is. Praise the Lord. I read it. I read it. But anyway, he put down. He put a stone there. The place is Mizpah. Somebody can look it up for me. Mizpah. He put a stone there, and he said, "We don't want to forget this." And uh, and uh, he called that stone Ebenezer. Ebenezer. He said, this is the place. This is the place where God met with us. This is the place that God did great things for us. You're open to Joshua 24, I think. Look at verses 25 through 27 with me if you would. And uh, Joshua 24, verse 25. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and set them a statute and an ordinance of... In Shechem, and Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God and took a great stone and set it up there under an oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said unto all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness unto us. What were these men doing? What was Samuel doing there in, uh, uh, in Mizpah? What was Joshua doing uh, here uh, uh, when, he, when he set up this stone in a place uh, called Shechem? What was it that Jacob did in Joshua in Genesis 28 there at Bethel when he saw the angels coming and going and he woke up and he said, Surely the presence of the Lord was here and I didn't know it. And the Bible said he set up a stone and some 30 years later as he passing back through the, uh, near, uh, uh, near to the same place a place called Shechem. Uh, he sets up yet another stone and, and, and he calls El Bethel, not just the house of God, but uh, the God of the house of God. What were these men doing in Joshua chapter 4, verse number 9, when Joshua led the nation of Israel across that Jordan River? And before that Jordan River came back together, he said, get somebody from every tribe 12 and put some great stones right there in the river. I don't want to forget right there what happened here. I don't want to forget the miracle God did for me. And may I say, Hey, it's important that we record these decisions. It's important that you put your decision down. I decided to follow Jesus Christ June 15 as a teenage lad in the mid-80s. I said, I surrender my life to Jesus Christ. And I don't want to forget what I committed to the Lord. You know, 16 times in the Bible, you'll find the word recorder there. There were men, uh, there were men given full-time jobs to keep records for God's people in the Old Testament. Sometimes people may say, well, I don't believe in numbers. Well, there's a book of, book of the Bible called Numbers. If by that you mean that we should not worship that, you know, we had so many and that makes us spiritual. I, I, I hope everybody understands that. I understand that. But, but, but let me tell you something. Uh, I, I try to teach our soul winners, and I, you might call it harp on this. Uh, yesterday, uh, Noah and I had a divine, we had two divine appointments when we were out soul winning. And uh, met a man and uh, witness to, got to witness to a lady, came out on the porch and witnessed to her, and she was weeping. She was weeping. And I said, ma'am, could I, could I pray with you? Would you receive Christ? She said, no. And she turned and walked back in the house that fast. It was heartbreaking to see. But then we went uh, and we're knocking on one other door and, and, uh, and saw somebody pulling their driveway that had attended church in years past and went down there and met him and met a friend. And, and right there we had a little revival right there in the driveway. And a young lady received Christ as Savior. Divine appointments. Amen. 
divine appointments. Can I say, my dear friend, I, I, I tell the soreness when that happens, you ought to make a record of that. I pull my New Testament out, have my New Testament out. I said, listen, I want to record this decision. I give them my name, give them my number. I said, I want to write it here. And I go through that New Testament and I read the names of those that God has put in my path and I, and I pray for them and ask God to bless and help them and you ought, to, you ought to record that decision. Number one, record it. Number two, you made a decision. Number one, record it. Number two, rejoice in it. Rejoice in it. Rejoice in it. Do you know uh, when great things happen in the Bible? They wrote songs. Turn to Exodus chapter number 15. Uh, there's a, a, a song of Moses recorded in Deuteronomy 32. The Psalms is a book of songs filled with songs that David wrote and, and others uh, wrote. But Exodus chapter 15, uh, there's, a, there's a song here recorded by, by Moses. And uh, uh, the, the Red Sea had parted. The nation of Israel came across on dry ground. And then God, uh, uh, then the Egyptian army came down to try to cross and God closed the Red Sea on top of them. And God defeated the entire Egyptian army. And Moses wrote a psalm, verse 1, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord. He hath triumphed gloriously. For her sin is rider, hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my... Boy, that's a great song, isn't it? Amen. He drowned the, drowned the Egyptians. Hallelujah. And, uh, and the Lord is my strength in song and he has become my salvation. He's my God. And I will prepare in him an habitation. Oh, listen. I have decided to follow Jesus. I am resolved no longer to... These are songs that we ought to sing. We ought to rejoice when God does a work in someone's heart and life. I remember some years ago, I was praying for another church, sister church in this area. In fact, they had a youth meeting, youth rally conference or something. And uh, one of the men in that church that uh, was a member of that church, I would see him in a place of business. I'd go frequent uh, and uh, and we would... Um, I'd go through there and I'd see them. And, and uh, I, I, about a week after they had their meeting, it's another good independent Baptist church and like-minded church. And, and uh, I saw this gentleman. I said, I said, hey, I said, how'd the youth meeting go? He said, well, I said, yeah, like 15 young people surrender their life to serve the Lord. I said, what? I said, that is amazing. That's fantastic. He said, yeah. He said, we'll see how long they last. Good night. These kids not even a week away from a decision. That's a big decision for a young person. And already someone's disparaging that. Let me tell you something. I rejoice in it. You said, preacher, you think everybody's going to keep their commitment? Did you keep all your commitments? Huh? My Bible said a just man falls seven times, but he gets back up again. Amen. Maybe that decision was a decision. I, I made this before, but I got away. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back up. Hey, that's what a just man does. We ought not disparage those who make commitments to Christ. We ought to rejoice with them. We ought to be grateful for that. We ought to thank God for them. Amen. I get so sick and tired. Somebody, yeah, so-and-so someone, someone got saved or someone made this commitment. I wonder how many of them meant it. I don't know if you meant it. You don't know if I meant it. Only God knows that. Amen. But I'll be switched if I'm going to become skeptical. I'll be switched if I'm going to discourage people before they ever get going. What we ought to do is say, hey, man, that's just wonderful. That's fantastic. Oh, that's just great. I'm so happy for you. I'll be praying for you. I rejoice with you. I'm glad for the decision and commitment that you made to Christ. This dear man right here got up and gave his testimony in the middle of that service, in the middle of that invitation on Wednesday night. God used it, didn't he? And we rejoice in that. Oh, you made a decision, number one, record it. Number two, rejoice in it. Amen? 
Do you know, you know what happens when somebody gets, the folks got saved this morning. Here's a lady visiting this morning. She raised her hand in the invitation and she came down the front and the soul winner took the Bible here in the front row and showed her the plan of salvation. She bowed her head and she received Jesus Christ as her personal Savior. You know what happened when she did that? Hey, heaven got excited. The Bible says in Luke chapter 15, verse number 10, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Amen? Wait a minute. There's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God. It didn't say the angels rejoice. It said there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God. That's God and God's people in heaven. Amen? That's who that is. Angels really don't know much about redemption. I don't know why they always get so excited about that. That's because they don't, they, they're, they're sinless creatures. They don't know what it is to be forgiven. Oh, it is wonderful to be forgiven. Amen. And heaven rejoices. Number three. I said number one, record it. Number two, rejoice in it. Number three, rehearse it. Number three, rehearse it. Rehearse it. When you read through the book of Acts, you'll find on three different occasions the Apostle Paul's story of his conversion. Paul said, I was on the way to, uh, to Damascus and I had letters uh, in my hand. I had arrest warrants, essentially, if you will, in my hand. And I was going down to get those people of that way, the people of the way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The people of the way, they weren't called Christians yet. And I was going down there to arrest them. And I, I, I was going to drag them into prison. And I was going to have some of them executed uh, for their crimes and for their sedition. And, and he said, man, I was, all, I was going up there. And all of a sudden, a light shone from heaven and knocked me off my horse. And the men around me, they, they couldn't make out what was being said. They, they just heard a voice. They couldn't understand. Standing, but I heard a voice and it said, uh, uh, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I said, who art thou? Lord, he said, I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest. He said, oh, Jesus. He said, what would thou have me to do? Oh, the apostle Paul had a story. How many of you say, say amen? How many of you say, say amen? You got a story. You got a story. And you ought to rehearse it. You ought to retell it. I think twice, yes, yesterday, I gave part of my testimony to try to win someone else to Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. You got a story. You ought to tell it. Amen. Like the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul stood in front of Agrippa. He said, yeah, well, I'll tell you what happened. Oh, oh King, I was, I, was, uh, I was going to, uh, uh, to Damascus. I was going to arrest some of those Christians, you know, some of those people that way. And, and I had some arrest warrants in my hand. And I was going down there and all of a sudden a light shone from heaven. I got knocked off my horse. A voice spoke to me from heaven. Nobody else. They could hear something. but didn't know what it was. And, and, and it was uh, the Lord. He said, uh, so, so I persecuted me. I said, who art thou, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my goodness. And he said, I've been persecuting Jesus. He said, what do you want me to do? And he told me to go down here. This man would help me and baptize me. And I was blinded to restore my sight. Oh, it was glorious. He, he went to Jerusalem. And the mob just about pulled him in pieces. And he got to stand up in a public forum in Jerusalem. And he said, guess what? I was on my way to Damascus one day. And light jumped on him. And I got knocked off the said, Who is it? And he said, it's Jesus. I said, oh, my goodness. been persecuted Jesus. And he told his story over and over again. And you ought to tell your story over and over again. Amen. Oh, listen. You got a testimony. Retell it, retell it, rehearse it, rehearse it, rehearse it. Retell it, retell it, retell it. The power, the power of a public testimony. One last word. You made a decision? Record it. Got it written down? Number two, rejoice in it. Rejoice in it. By the way, by the way, don't doubt it, rejoice in it. People, I don't know how many times I've heard this over there. Well, you know... I surrender my life to the Lord to serve him, but I think, you know, 
I was just one of those services, you know, and it was just a real emotional time. And I think maybe I just made an emotional decision, you know. I just don't really know. I mean, people were crying, and I started crying. I don't really cry much. I started crying, and people were going to the altar, and back to, then they went back to the altar, and they sang a song, and they sang it again. And I don't know. I, I just think I make a... May I ask you a question? If you make a commitment to Christ, should, should you not feel something when you make that decision? How does it being an emotional decision somehow nullify... The, the, the uh, authentic, uh, 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 authenticity of that decision. Try that with marriage. It's right, you know, I don't know. I got, I got up there and all the people were there and they had, they had uh, dre- you know, pretty dresses and tuxedos and we had food and there was music and it was pretty music and I don't know, it was just like this mood and everything and I was all emotional, you know, like lovey-dovey and everything and I said I do and I thought about that later. You know, I think that was just... I think it was just an emotional decision. Well, I hope you felt something when you got married. How does it was an emotional? How does that nullify anything? Let me tell you something. Instead of saying, "Well, I was just emotional," what you ought to do is, is say, "I want to get back to my first love." Oh God, renew in my heart what you did some years ago, and let me feel what I once felt—that love and passion for you. When I said yes to Christ, I'll give my all to Christ. Don't talk your way out of it. Rehearse it. Retell it. Remember it. Amen. Remember it. That's number four. That's what Samson did. Turn to Judges 16 and we'll be done. Judges 16. Samson was dedicated to the Lord as uh, just a, a young man. God was already using him to deliver God's people. But he let his passion take over and he forfeited God's best for his life. He forfeited the perfect will of God. In fact, he went so far away from God that he lost his spiritual power and uh, he was captured by the Philistines and they turned him into He did the work of an animal. They took his eyes. They literally poked his eyes out. He had nothing but empty sockets. He was blind. They chained him to a grinding stone, typically a big circular stone, and it would be used to grind grain and so forth. And it had a big wooden uh, beam that would go into uh, into that stone and they'd often hook an animal to it and, and that animal would push that beam and turn that big stone and they chained Samson to that beam and to that stone and did the work day after day of an animal. He had several things that he was not to do and one of those was that he was not to, had to do with, for a season, he wouldn't cut his hair and it was a symbol that he was dedicated unto the Lord. Well, they took his eyes out and they shaved him and that was a shame for him. And They bound him to that stone and old Samson had some time to think. I write letters, not, not very real frequently, but with some regularity to 
meaning men and women in prison. And I often tell them, say, hey, you've got time. You've got time. Use this time to get to know God. Use this time to get to know God's Word. Use this time to learn some of the things you didn't get to learn. Samson had some time. And while he worked, did the work of an animal, the Bible said uh, he, he got to think. And the Bible said this in verse number 22. I think it's verse 22. It said, And the hair of his head began to grow again. <laughs> now that was just symbolic. We understand this. But his hair symbolized his consecration to his God. And Samson began to think, you know, my birth was announced by an angel. God's call was on my life as a child. And I gave up my place of service and I lost my power with God. But the hair was growing. And he began to pray. And on down a little further, I think it's verse number 28 maybe. On down a little further, Samson's prayer was recorded. He said, God, only this once. Only this once. You know what he said? He said, God, I, I forfeited some opportunities, but, but do you think maybe you could just use me one more time? Just one more time. Only this once. I won't ask again. I know I don't deserve it, but I remember... When my life was committed to you and I remember when your hand was on my life and I'd, I'd like to be used one more time. I'd like to be used one more time. Oh God, I remember that. I remember my life when it was consecrated. I remember those decisions that I made and I, for a long time I kept them and I didn't touch anything that had it died and I, I, I honored you in the sim- symbolism of my covenant with you and, and, and then, and then I, I, I threw all that away. But, but do you think God, do you think God maybe you could use me one more time? And they took old Samson into a great temple to the goddess Diana and two big pillars in the middle of that great temple where a big party was going on. And they took Samson in there and they mocked him and laughed at him and he was led by just a lad. He said to the lad, he said, Lad, could you direct me to the main pillars? That little lad took him like you like you lead an animal. And old Samson felt of those main pillars. And the Bible said, he prayed, oh God, only this once. And he leaned on the pillars. And I think God took his finger down there and he went, boom, amen. God's power was on Samson one more time. And the Bible said that he won a greater victory in his death than he did even in his life. But more of God's enemies were killed in his death even than in his life. Don't ever forget. Remember the rest of your life. The decisions you make in your youth ought to direct you for the rest of your life. Amen? Let's stand together.